Thanks for the intro. I'm Richa. And I'm Haley. We're the hosts of Dimes of Crime. We're a true crime podcast with a feminine twist. We're two moms and sisters by marriage talk all things true crime involving women. Being murders, con artists, or being accomplice in any type of crime, new or old. But always with a drink in hand. We also sometimes sprinkle in bits about our life as new moms and the fun trips we love to take with our fams. So go grab a drink and hit subscribe on any podcast streaming service you love and hopefully we'll drink with you every Tuesday. Don't let the murder thoughts bite. Raw Truth, stories of female infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or a psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly recommended. People's lives follow many different paths, with twists and turns and choices never planned nor expected. In life, temptation Anger, depression, and loneliness can lead a good person to a mistake that they just can't take back. When they are facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. In this podcast, you will hear stories of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. This is Rebecca. Today we are going to finish Molly's story. Last week we learned a little bit about where she was in her marriage, how she had felt a disconnect, how she felt like she was alone in her marriage and was struggling with her husband and control. And we learn about how things with her chiropractor, Evan, kind of went off in a different direction. Now, keep in mind, they were friends before she was a patient. He is a neighbor, and she opened up with him, and things got real personal, and they began their affair. But she started noticing some changes on his end, not just distance-wise, but physically. He said that his doctor instructed him he needed to quit drinking or there was going to be some real problems. He did, and he fell gravely ill. On his way out of the appointment, he ignored me as he walked past my desk, but I got up and stopped him. I asked what happened, and he said he stopped drinking, and all of a sudden his health went downhill. He gave me a sad shrug, and I gave him a squeeze on his arm, and he left. I cried for days. During September and October, I reached out a couple of times and he reached out to me a couple of times. But our conversation was always formal, not like it had been in the past. At one point, I saw him in his garage during a midday walk. Seeing him gave me a longing feeling and a few days later, I sent him a text saying all the things I wish I would have said telling him how I think I'd started having feelings for him and asking if he felt the same. He replied back that it was always just for fun, and he wasn't sure what he had said that made me think differently.
I was a bit hurt, but played it off. He proceeded to tell me he hadn't been with anyone since me, and he wasn't even sure if it worked now. It made me feel better that it wasn't me. He was just struggling with his health and was working on getting better. He did start to improve. He finally came back to work in the beginning of November as his health seemed to be getting better. He had been doing well and was sober. At that point, I figured we were done with our affair. I was in therapy and began to mourn the loss of the relationship. I started to hope I could repair my marriage and tried taking steps to rekindle our relationship. We had some outside battles that played against us, though. First, my husband got COVID. Then he had eye surgery. And then he got a vasectomy. So it left little time to work on us. I had also started a new full-time job in a new building. It helped to separate the memories I had of Evan. So, although things weren't the best, I had something new to focus on and I started to reserve myself for a life without Evan. Deep down though, I always had the hope of Evan coming back. Around the beginning of November, I had forgotten something at home during a work morning and turned around to go get it. I saw Evan at the end of our neighborhood lane and saw him slowing and rolling his window down. I stopped and he told me that he was being let go from his job. We were in a bit of a rush, so I told him I'd text him and we could chat later. I got to work, sent him a text and asked when his last day was. He said the end of December and then he said that only gives us six more weeks of lunch breaks. My heart jumped. He was back. This time, though, I told myself I wasn't falling for his games. He had told me his intentions and I wouldn't be fooled again. During this first conversation in November, I asked about something that he said many times before. He would always tell me that he had no idea how I ended up with my husband. So I asked him what type of guy he would see me with. He said, me, a bad boy, motorcycles, fun, lots of crazy sex. I said, but what about my stability and security? He said I was searching for a unicorn. I rolled my eyes. Clearly, he wouldn't provide what I needed in a man, but I had known that for a long time even though there were times I wanted to be free of my husband so I could freely explore with Evan. A few days later, Evan called me one afternoon during work. He has never called me to have a conversation before. All of our conversations was through text or in person. We had a long conversation. He was charming, funny, and talked about how he planned to just go off to an island once he was done with work and told me to come with him. Something was off, though. I said, Evan, are you drinking again? He said, Oh, I had about a fifth of a whiskey last night, and I'm sitting in my driveway drinking a white claw. I sighed, and I told him he would kill himself if he kept drinking. We talked for almost an hour, and it was the happiest I'd been in a while. As the days went on, he started calling more, sometimes in the morning on my way to work, sometimes over lunch or after he got off of work. 
Those conversations were the highlight of my day. One morning in November, we were hanging up the phone and he said, Okay, love you, bye. Jokingly. But was it? I rolled my eyes, but it felt good. We started saying it to each other after each call, in a joking way. But again, was it? Our conversations became more in-depth, talking about things we didn't talk about before. He kept telling me that he wanted to take me away, and I would remind him of my children. He said, I'm great with your kids, and he was. Every time he had been to our house to visit, he had played with my kids more than my husband ever did. Our conversation was also sexual again, but every time I told him I was free, he wouldn't meet me. I realized now he was choosing alcohol over me, but it still messed with my mind a bit. It was also clear that Evan was struggling with depression. On days he wouldn't call, I would check in because they were usually the bad days. He was depressed about losing his patience in what he had worked for. He felt that he was letting people down. In early December, he came to my house one night, bringing over some meat and homemade pasta. He did this occasionally, so it didn't seem weird to my husband because remember, we were all friendly before this. I invited him in. He smelled strongly of alcohol, but was regular old Evan. He still looked a bit rough skinnier than before, his belly a little rounder. I still wanted him, though. We met eyes and stared at each other multiple times, risking my husband seeing. At one point, he slipped behind me to get something from across the room, and I felt his touch on my back, and it felt amazing. Days later, he sent me a text saying he needed some snuggles. I offered myself up to him, thinking he would blow me off again, but he didn't. He picked me up at my new building. He started talking about how unhappy he was, how he only ever became a chiropractor to make his family happy. He had wanted to go to the military, but his father didn't want him to. I could tell he wasn't having a good mental health day, and he had been drinking. When we got to his house, I took off my coat and finally gave him the hug that I had been longing to give him since the last time we had been together in August. I felt the weight slipping from both of our shoulders as we relaxed into each other. We made our way upstairs to his bed. I still wasn't quite sure what the outcome would be. We were snuggling. Would we have sex? So I climbed into his bed with clothes on, but he laughed and asked why I still had them on. I took them off and he climbed in. We got to business right away. Sex with him was so natural and free-flowing, hot. Eventually we slowed down for a minute and took a breath. We laid down together and for the second time he held me. He wrapped his arms around me so tight that I never wanted to let go. He fell asleep, something that he struggled with, and I felt happy, knowing that he felt relaxed and comfortable enough with me to fall asleep. Forever later, his alarm went off. He said he should get back to work, but we ended up having sex again, snuggling more, and then having sex again. He asked if he had ruined my life. 
something I had joked about before, and I told him he had, in all the best ways. Eventually, we decided we needed to go back to work. He started the shower and told me to get in. He washed my body like he worshipped me, so gently. I had never been taken care of like this after sex. On the drive back, he started talking about how he's letting people down and got choked up a few times. I held his hand in reassurance. He said, you are so amazing and I'm so fucked up. I disagreed, but he repeated himself. We said our love you bye to each other, then I got out of his truck. After that day, he seemed to decline more and more. There was a day when I had to have a more serious conversation with him about not using protection and what would happen if I got pregnant. He said he hadn't been able to come since becoming sick. I also started questioning him on his intentions with me. I said, I think you want to be with me, but you don't want to admit it. He said, I was his fun, stress-free person, and I was stressing him out with all the questions. It pissed me off, but I started to realize he couldn't emotionally handle me right now. His alcohol addiction and depression was taking over. I was maybe the one thing that brought him happiness, and I didn't want to take that from him, despite what it did to me. He stopped calling. I reached out almost daily. One weekend, I decided I would give myself a break from him. But when I sent him a text Monday, I immediately regretted it after he said how awful he was doing. So I continued to reach out, trying to be there for him. Days before Christmas, my husband got angry and yelled at me after I asked him for help getting the children in the car one morning before work. He called me after I dropped the girls off and we had a long discussion. He said he felt like I didn't even care about our marriage anymore, and I admitted that I wasn't sure if we could fix it. He said it started around June or July, and what happened to make it go downhill so fast? He even suspected I was cheating. I told him there were problems way before June or July, but that was when I stopped trying. He cried and begged me not to leave. I told him we needed to start couples therapy, and he agreed. I felt nothing during the conversation, no sadness that our marriage may end. I had already been preparing for a possible divorce for many months, so I had already had time to grieve the relationship. Things have been rocky with our relationship ever since that conversation, and we are still waiting to get into therapy. I became more worried about Evan as Christmas drew near. He hadn't left his house much at all. Every time I checked up on him, he wasn't doing well. I asked if he was going to see family for Christmas, and he said yes. On Christmas Day, however, I noticed his truck was still in the driveway. I grew increasingly nervous. I wanted to go to his house and check on him, but I knew I couldn't. Eventually, I saw him leave, pretty late in the day, to be driving the two hours it took to get to his hometown. But I felt relieved for a moment. That night, though, I had an odd dream about him. When I woke, I immediately sent him a message asking if he was okay. I received no response. I waited until I saw his truck back in the driveway on New Year's Eve. 
I sent him a message saying I was checking up on him and hoped he was okay. He told me he had gone to the hospital on Christmas Day. He blacked out and fell through his shower doors. They detoxed him at the hospital and removed fluid from his stomach. He had finally decided it was time to go to rehab and he was leaving in a few days. I sympathized with him and told him I was proud of him for making the decision to help himself. I was happy to see his parents staying with him until he left for rehab. So he left for rehab and I felt relieved. I wouldn't have to worry about him for at least a month while he was there. Five days later though, I noticed his mom's car was in the driveway. I knew this was probably a sign that he was back in the hospital. I waited a few days and sent a text telling him I used the pasta he brought us and hoped he was well. He told me he was back in the hospital and was probably going to be transferred to a bigger hospital. I tried to get a bit more out of him, but he stopped responding. And that's where my story ends at the moment. I'm heartbroken for this man who influenced my life so much in the past year. I love him. Maybe not in the same way I would love a life partner, but I do love and care about him. He opened up my world to see things I deserve surrounding my pleasure. He showed me how strong a connection can be between two people. I fear that this may not be the end of us, but the end of him. If he dies, how do I grieve a man that I wasn't supposed to care so deeply about? How do I grieve in secret? I am no one in his world except for him. Gosh, there are so many more details to the story, but it is already so long. I hope to eventually give you a happy ending to the story. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask. Again, I thank you for this podcast and how you are helping women that are going through such a taboo experience. All the best, Molly. Thank you, Molly, so much for submitting this story. It is a lot to deal with, and I'm sure, I know, um, you're adding an extra level to this. It's one thing to be having an affair with somebody. It's another thing to be having to deal with something with this matter, potentially his passing because of his health. And you ask very good questions about how are you going to do this? And it's okay to say, I'm grieving for my friend. I'm grieving for my friend who was my neighbor. I'm grieving for my friend who was my neighbor and my chiropractor. I hope though that your therapist that you're seeing by yourself, because from what I understood, it sounded like you were in therapy before, will be able to help you through that grieving should this happen, God forbid. And I know you had submitted this story originally, it looks like, back in January of this year. And so as I'm recording this here in May, some things may have changed. And I will reach out to you here shortly anyway, just to let you know that your story is coming. But I hope uh, after you've listened and some time has passed that you'll reach out to me and just give me a follow-up. I think a lot of us will want to know where things are. And especially going back to your marriage, have you been able to get into therapy for your, for your marriage? Have you been able to work things with your husband? Um, 
It sounds like he really loves you and he doesn't want this marriage to fall apart, but he needs to work on himself and being more open and being more of a partner to you with the family because you didn't make those babies by themselves and you guys definitely need to work as a team in order to be good for one another and for and for your kids affair aside you know that's a whole different story of having to deal with getting your marriage back on track if that's what you want and then being a strong parent and being able to work at your job and knowing what's going on in the background and it pleases me to know that the podcast has been helpful for you because these are the reasons why I have it you can't share this with just anybody I mean, the only people that truly understand are those who are going through it at the same time or have been going through it now as they listen to the story. So I appreciate you sending in your story and I really hope to hear back. So please shoot me a message. Let me know where things are and how you are doing and how Evan is doing and how your marriage is going. Thank you so much. On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when they uncovered the truth. The affirmations he was giving her swept her away. He was young, good-looking, and interested in her. She took the bait. He would come over first for the coffee, then a beer for him and wine for her, until he felt so comfortable that he went in for a kiss. They slept together the first time that day. The rest of the story here was confessed over many days and hours of interrogation. She swore to herself that this was a one-time thing and she would take it to her grave. I probably could have lived with a one-time mistake, but that's not what happened. He started coming around every day and every day they would have unprotected sex in our bed. He had her doing anal sex, which we never did as she didn't like it. He made good on his boast that he could get the housewives to do anything he wanted and that they had more anal sex in a few weeks than we had in 25 years of our marriage. To hear bonus stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship and have early access to regular episodes ad-free, subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as $3 a month. Thank you for listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. There, you will find story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon, and an opportunity to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. To submit your story, share feedback about the show, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com or mail to Rebecca Adams, 
P.O. Box 821064, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Each story is taken into careful consideration, read without judgment, and always anonymous. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is written, produced, and edited by me, Rebecca Adams. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Be kind to one another, be kind to yourself, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.